following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, it's Pastor Alan Gilman of All Saints Lutheran Church for May the 31st, 2020. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Pentecost Sunday occurs each year exactly seven weeks after Easter Sunday. And because Easter Sunday occurs at a slightly different date each year, so the same thing with Pentecost Sunday. Now this year, Pentecost Sunday, it happens just a few days after the Jewish version of this holiday, Pentecost, Pentecost or in Hebrew, Shavuot, uh, which is actually the biblical version of the, the holiday, the, the biblical date based on the Jewish calendar. And what we're going to see in this message is how uh, understanding the original festival, Shavuot, Pentecost, helps us to understand what happened on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So let's get right into the, the scripture. Before I do, I'd like to pray. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get to know you better through getting to know your word better. Would you please speak to us through this message? Guide me as I share some of the thoughts that uh, that I have in my heart and help us all to to discern the difference between what's just made up in our minds uh, and what you're really saying to us. Would you please guide us during this time? In Jesus' name, amen. And so what I'd like to do is I'm going to read a short passage in Acts chapter 1 that sets up what happens on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So let's start with Acts, <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. This is just before uh, Jesus ascends, the risen Jesus ascends into heaven. And while they were staying with them, this is Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we see here that the coming of the Holy Spirit equips, will equip these early followers of Jesus to take the message of Jesus and his, his reign and extend that to all the nations of the world. So now let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I encourage you uh, at some point that uh, you read the entire chapter, but just for now we'll read the first four verses. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so this is what was 
foretold them, predicted by Jesus in the previous chapter, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and he would enable them to be his witnesses. So now what I'd like to do is go to the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and see what this festival here called Pentecost is all about. And so as I said, in Hebrew, this festival is called Shavuot. Shavuot means weeks, and that's why there's these seven weeks. Anyway, let me read the passage and then I'll, I'll comment some more. So I'm reading from Leviticus chapter 23, starting at verse 9, and I'm going to go through verse 22. This chapter of Leviticus deals with various ones of the, of the feasts and holy days that God established for the people of Israel to observe. Leviticus 23, verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hin. And you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. And you shall present with the bread seven lambs a year old without blemish, and one bull from the herd, and two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to the Lord, with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And you shall offer one male goat for a sin offering, and two lambs a year old as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall make a proclamation on the same day. You shall hold a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It's a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. The festival originally is Shavuot. That's what Jesus' followers, who are all Jewish, would have called it. Shavuot simply means weeks. And what God had commanded uh, for this festival was from the Sabbath following Passover, which was two months before, they were to count seven weeks of weeks, which is 49 days, plus another day, which is 50. So in Hebrew, it's Shavuot, weeks. the, The Greek term that became popular is based on the word 50, penta, which is where we get Pentecost from. So it means the same thing, uh, and um, but it's really important to understand that while the disciples were waiting in this place called the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come like Jesus had promised, they, like all the other Jewish people of their day, ever since they were kids, they would have been anticipating this 
festival, Shavuot or Pentecost. And so I want to show how what happened on on uh, the day when the Holy Spirit came, what we now call the day of Pentecost, which is where we get Pentecost Sunday from, I want to show you in the from the Bible how the coming of the Holy Spirit connects with this particular feast of Shavuot so that we can understand why the Spirit came at that particular time, at that particular festival. So what I'd like to do is do a, a brief overview of the three major feasts that are found in Leviticus 23. We just didn't have time to read them all. Uh, just want to look at those briefly, and I have a reason uh, for that, uh, as you'll see. Okay, so the three festivals, these three major festivals, there were other holy days. The, the Sabbath, Shabbat, was a weekly feast day that was a, a very serious, very holy day in the Jewish calendar. But there were other holy days as well. But there were three special feasts when the people were supposed to leave their towns and villages and journey all the way to Jerusalem from wherever they were and offer special sacrifices and observe the festival in in Jerusalem. The three festivals uh, were Passover, in Hebrew Pesach, which was two months ago. Uh, and that always happens in the, in the springtime. And Passover is a seven-day feast. It's the beginning of the barley harvest. All, all the feasts are connected to some agricultural thing going on in, in the calendar of, of the people of Israel. So uh, Passover was the beginning of the barley harvest. It commemorates the exodus from Egypt, as you know. So that's how Passover started. And every year, families gather and retell the story of Moses and Aaron leading the people out of, out of Egypt. Passover is probably the most popular family gathering of the entire year. When families, extended families, come from all over, they weren't able to do this this year because of COVID-19. But all over the world, uh, Jewish people gathered as best they could to retell the story of, of Passover using a special meal. And it was that meal in, in the form that it was in 2,000 years ago that Jesus used to then refer to himself as the greater Passover, that he was the greater Passover lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And he used the Passover meal called the Seder as the, as the, um, as the form in, in which that all of his followers, Jew or Gentile, Jew or non-Jew, would remember him. And we call that communion, of course. So two months after Passover is Shavuot, Pentecost, which we'll get to in a moment, but I want to go to the third feast that happens in the fall, and that's Sukkot, or tabernacles or booths, uh, named after uh, the, the building of temporary dwellings that God told the people of Israel to do uh, every year, to move these temporary dwellings to remember how God took care of, of them or us, my family and I are, are Jewish, uh, that, to remember how God took care of us during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Not only is it a commemoration of God's care in the, in the wilderness years, um, it's also the, marks the, the fruit harvest. 
It's an eight-day festival in length, and it's a great Thanksgiving festival. And many religious Jewish people build wherever they are, sometimes on their balconies, on their lawns, uh, a a booth or a tabernacle. A sukkah is the singular of sukkot. So then let's go in the middle of the year again and come back to the festival that we're looking at, at here, which is Shavuot, Pentecost. So what we read in Leviticus is that the way we know when to celebrate Shavuot is by counting. And counting is a major feature, especially of the time in between Passover and and Pentecost, Shavuot. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to give more detail about Shavuot than the other two feasts because obviously that's the one we're looking at uh, in this message. Unlike the other two longer festivals, Shavuot was a one-day feast, and it marked the end of the barley harvest. So Passover marks the beginning of the barley harvest, and we read in the passage about Shavuot that after Passover, um, a sheaf or an omer in Hebrew, a certain amount of grain was to be waved, the priest was to wave that before God as a first fruits offering to the Lord. He would take some of the barley and offer it as a first fruits offering to God. Then they would count every day, and then that became a ritual in Jewish tradition. It's called the counting of the omer. The omer is the initial portion that was presented after Passover, after the first day of Passover. And they would count, it was called counting the Omer, until we get to the festival of of Shavuot itself, which this year occurred on Friday, began Thursday evening, just the other day, Thursday evening into Friday. Now, the one of the reasons why I'm sharing this with you is I'm trying to bridge the gap with something that I think is a real tragedy in the way historically the church actually, many years ago, around the fourth century, um, distanced itself from anything Jewish. And by doing that, it actually distanced itself away from uh, things biblical which, as I said, is very, it's very, very, very tragic. It, it sought to retain the truth about Jesus while cutting him off from much of his own biblical background. And I'm trying through this to help restore a little bit uh, of that. Uh, most people don't really know why the Holy Spirit came on this Jewish festival. We understand Jesus as the as the as the greater Passover lamb. And he, as I said, he used Passover and the Passover meal, the Seder, to point to himself. And in a sense, a communion is a mini Seder, a mini Jewish Seder that Christians have been doing for the past two thousand years to remember to remember our Passover lamb, Jesus. There's so much meaning, obvious meaning in the festival of booths or tabernacles, Sukkot, because it reminds us of the wilderness wanderings. And in the book of Zechariah, it says that one day all people are going to celebrate the festival of booths. And so it also causes us to look forward to that time when Jesus is going to return and make all things right again in the creation. But what is Shavuot about and why 
did the Holy Spirit come on this particular holy day, this particular feast? Well, getting back to to describe in itself, uh, it's 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 called Shavuot, as I mentioned, because it means weeks. Um, it's a it's a special Sabbath day. A Sabbath doesn't have to be on the seventh day. Uh, so these major holy days are called Sabbaths. Uh, there are special synagogue services uh, throughout the world, as there are for the the other holy days. Um, a, a lot of Jewish people will only eat dairy, and if you look it up, you'll see nobody really knows why, and there's some, some speculation as to why that is, but cheesecake is, I'm not a fan of cheesecake, I'm also... I try to stay away from lactose. Um, uh, my wife loves cheesecake, so it's a really good excuse to eat cheesecake. Also, people will decorate their homes with greenery, and it's another tradition. Don't really know why uh, it's done. Um, and I'm going to explain why in a moment. This next thing uh, is, a, is a tradition. And the books of Moses, the Torah, as we call it in Hebrew, is studied all night. So from this, this year, from Thursday evening into Friday morning, the uh, people will study Torah. All the special Jewish, ho- Jewish holidays, all the Jewish holidays have small books of the Bible. Some of the smaller books of the Bible associated with them, and the book that's associated with Shavuot is Ruth, and that that might also give us a hint too. And we don't know how long this tradition has been. And apparently, the reason why the book of Ruth is read along with Shavuot has to do with the gleanings that I read from Leviticus chapter 23 verse 22. Um, it gives the it, it talks about there how poor people were uh, able to come and they were allowed to both pick up the the um, sheaves of grain that had fallen on on the ground. So when you harvested your grain, you're not supposed to pick up the stuff you dropped. You're supposed to leave that for the poor people. You also weren't supposed to harvest all the way to the edges and corners of your field. You were to leave that for the poor people to come and they were to harvest from the edges of the field. And that's what Ruth did. And that's how Ruth meets Boaz and she ends up marrying Boaz. And that's the union that ends up producing King David. It's a very important story and for other reasons besides what what I just mentioned here. But also we have a story of a non-Jewish person, a Gentile, a Moabite, who wasn't supposed to have um, intimate connections with with the, uh, the the Jewish people, the people of Israel. But Ruth, after her own husband dies, I won't get into the whole story now. It's I'm tempted to do so, but I won't. But she travels with her mother-in-law, who had been living in the land of Moab. They return to the land of Israel, Bethlehem, um, actually, uh, which was Naomi's hometown. And she ends up marrying Boaz. And earlier on in the book, uh, Ruth makes a commitment to Naomi, her mother-in-law, to Naomi's people, the people of Israel, and to Naomi's God, the God of Israel. And so we see here a story of not only the gleanings associated with this holiday, but also the coming in of a non-Jewish person into the people of God, the people of Israel, which foreshadows uh, what happens when the disciples speak in all these other languages. Now, the people that were there were mainly all Jewish people, but it was a preparation and a, a foreshadowing of bringing 
the truth about the Jewish Messiah to the, the language groups of the world. And so the whole idea of, of, of ingathering is associated with what happened in Acts 2 and is connected to Shavuot. But that's not the main connection, I don't think. Passover commemorates the exodus from Egypt. Sukkot, tabernacles or booths, commemorates God's provision during the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. There's no mention, explicit mention, of anything historical that Shavuot is connected to. Now, in Jewish tradition, they do identify something, even though it's not explicitly stated in the Bible, but as you'll see, there that connection is biblical. So, in Jewish tradition, what Shavuot commemorates is the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. As I mentioned, though, the Bible doesn't say that. There's nowhere where Shavuot, and it's actually mentioned in, in a few other places in the books of Moses that we don't have time to get into, but they're there. And there's references of, of ritual and sacrifices and that sort of thing. But there's nothing about this historical connection and certainly nothing about Shavuot being connected to the giving of the Ten Commandments. Uh, but there is, and it has to do with the counting. So the, the Jewish people were supposed to count uh, seven, uh, seven weeks of weeks. And then on the following day, the 50th day, that's when the festival was to take place. So basically it's two months, it's about almost two months later. And as from what we can tell, when we read the book of Exodus, we see it was about that time when Moses led the people to the foot of Mount Sinai and God spoke to the people and gave the Ten Commandments and as well as his other uh, directives that had to do with the covenant that he established with them. And so uh, there is that calendar connection. And so it would be it would be right to see Shavuot as the anniversary of God's giving his word, his revelation to uh, the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. And so that's important because that same thing would have been on the minds of the Jewish followers, the only followers of Jesus in Jerusalem on that day when Shavuot or Pentecost arrived in their day. They would have been counting too. Even they because that's just what they did they did that from when they were from when they were kids and so on the day that was the anniversary of god giving his revelation his spirit comes to equip the believers to equip the believers to be effective witnesses of king messiah now, to be a witness of Jesus is not simply to tell people, Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose. Very, very important. But it was to bring to the nations that reality of God through what Jesus had done and everything that he taught, everything that he represented, and call people to God, as it would be for the non-Jewish nations, or back to God, as it would be happening among the Jewish people. They would be bringing God's word. But there was a, 
major difference between bringing God's word to people before Acts 2, that day of Pentecost, that day of Shavuot, a big difference between bringing God's word before that day and bringing God's word after that day. Because from that day on, God's people who know him through trusting in his son, the Messiah Jesus, are filled with God himself, enabling us to live out all that God has spoken to us. Not perfectly, but we are forgiven in Jesus, and that's part of how we're enabled to live out God's way, because we're not we're not condemned by our sins any longer. The devil cannot accuse us as rebels against God because we have been forgiven because what Jesus has done. That's our great exodus. We've been liberated from the the worse than Pharaoh oppressor from the devil because we have been forgiven. But more than that, we have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God to enable us to live as people of God. So centuries prior, God revealed his word to the people of Israel, but he did not provide the power to live it. Now, because of that great day of Shavuot, that great Pentecost day, we not only have God's word, but we have the ability to live it. One more thing. I want to go back to the gleanings. This thing about the gleanings. Remember, for some reason, out of nowhere, we have a directive about the poor and the needy being able to go and help themselves to the edges of the of the harvest and and that part of the harvest left on the ground and you know food represents life it's our sustenance and there's a reminder to us while i think there's a good lesson uh for how we do our work and take in resources and and how we are to help the poor and not just use everything for ourselves. I think that's there in the, the lesson of the gleanings. But the Pentecost lesson of the gleanings is that we need to partake of what God has provided. Whether it's the harvesters or the gleaners, they had to go and get what God has provided. Now, I know among Many Christians, there's a resistance towards anything that makes it sound like we need to do something in order to be blessed by God. And there's reasons why we're, we're hesitant to think that way. And it has to do with, with the bad idea that through the things that we do, we can get God's forgiveness and get God's acceptance. And that's not true. We are accepted by God. We are made part of God's family by trusting in Jesus. That's how we become a child of God. But at the same time, we're not called by God, far from anything but, we're not called by God to just sit back and wait. And if God wants to bless me, he will bless me. If God wants to use me, he will use me. And then, you know, if God wants to do it, like, I'm, I'm like a kite. 
and praise God, God made me a kite and I get to just lie here on the ground and if God wants to come and swoop me up into the air, he can do that. Now that's ridiculous, right? I don't think anybody actually believes that we're called to be passive, completely passive believers. Do you believe we're supposed to be passive believers that just wait around? God wants to use me, he'll use me. If he wants to bless me, he will bless me. We don't believe that, do we? I hope we don't believe that. But it's funny. Actually, it's not funny. We could believe that, not, that no, we're not supposed to be passive, and yet still be passive. We tend to think, well, you know, there's those people over there, and they're mightily used by God, and I've read that wonderful biography of that great Christian hero, and, and I'm reading about the characters in the Bible, and they were used by God, and, it's, and actually, we're thinking that they're like kites lying on the ground, how, somehow God swooped them up into the air, and that's why they're flying up there. But that's not true. We need to, to be hungry for God. We need to, in a sense, learn how to be hungry for God and to desire Him. We need to seek Him. We need to feast on His Word. He doesn't just download it. Sometimes He does. Most of the time He doesn't. And often, Bible words and, 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 and God's Word will come to us, but very often it's because we've already read His book. But if we don't take the time every day to feast on his word, if we don't take time every day to call out to him and not just go through a quick prayer, but to call out to him and ask him to come and fill us anew and fill us again, make us, Lord, like the believers on, on that first day of Pentecost and, and equip us to be your witnesses, Lord. We need your power. Oh, but weren't they just filled with the spirit and they were good? Just like a he, not like a kite, like a helium balloon, like they're, they're puffed up with the Holy Spirit and then they were able to float in the air. Well, apparently not, because two chapters later in Acts 4, they were praying for boldness and the Holy Spirit came upon them again. They were praying because they were in a, a very dangerous situation where they were threatened and they were being intimidated and they didn't want to be intimidated. They didn't want to be passive. And so they didn't just hype themselves up. They didn't just wait for God to use them. They cried out to God to fill them afresh with the Holy Spirit so they could be the people that God wants them to be. And that's what we need to do. Pentecost is not just a commemoration of, what's, of something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not a commemoration of something that maybe that happened to us 20 years ago. It's a reminder that we can again experience what they experienced on that day, that we can receive not only receive God's word, but we can live out God's word because we have been promised the, his power by his Holy Spirit. And so let's call out to him afresh wherever we are. And I know we're under all these restrictions. Some of us are dealing with uh, very serious physical ailments and other things that are constraining us, but God is not constrained. His Holy Spirit is not constrained. He is enabled to energize us in our own, in our feeble state. Maybe some of you are really healthy, and maybe you are, uh, you're able to do all sorts of things, and you have found ways to do all sorts of things, even during this COVID-19 crisis. But are you energized by the Holy Spirit of God to do the things that God has called you to do? Let's pray. Our Father, forgive us for our passivity. Forgive us for our neglect. And fill us afresh with your Spirit today. And tomorrow. 
and the next day. Show us, Lord, what you're calling us to do and show us how you want to enable us to do it and then help us not to try to do it then in our own strength, but to rely upon you to enable us to fulfill your good will. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, this is Pastor Allen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.